the Sherry Group Podcast, presented by the Sherry Group, LLC. Yes, welcome to the Sherry Group Podcast. We are excited to begin another episode here in our series of Leading Through Adversity. My name is Drew Demery. I'm one of the hosts, and I also have a co-host, David Sherry. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about today. You know, one of the things I love about these podcasts, Drew, is getting a chance to visit with friends and learn from them. And we've got one of the best with us today. So we have Jason Smith from YMCA Camp Kataki today. And Jason is successful camp director and all around great guy and really excited to, uh, to take some time today and just learn what he has to share. And I'm sure that he's going to give us all some nuggets we can walk away with. So going to be an exciting day. Jason, can you uh, take a couple minutes and talk about your camp and, and a little bit about you and, and your camp story? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for having me, Drew and Dave. This is wonderful. I'm excited to chat with you today. Uh, Dave mentioned, I think, my camp. Uh, I'm with YMCA Camp Kentucky, which is in the great state of Nebraska. And we're through, with the YMCA of Lincoln, Nebraska, specifically. And uh, we're about a 200-acre camp. And over a course of a normal summer, uh, we'd see about 2,800 kids from age 7 to 17 for overnight camp programming. Um, and my camp story actually began at Camp Kentucky through... The Y Guides program, the, the YMCA ran a father-son program. That was my first introduction to Camp Kataki, and then eventually was a summer camper and then a CIT here and then summer staff member and eventually graduated and they had a program director job here and I thought I would do it for, um, you know, a couple of years before going back to school and just never left. So <laughs> it's been a, an honor and a thrill to be a part of it for so long. I think that's really cool that you've had your whole camp story is all at one camp. It's it must it's home for you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't know what life would have been like had I not uh, had you know the experiences that got me to camp in the first place, and then eventually onto staff, which is really when I, I really found it as a home. I think, but uh, don't know what I would be doing <laughs> outside of well, this. So. Having ran a camp in Iowa, uh, you and I have had the chance to be together for several times and uh, different meetings. And I've certainly been down to Camp Kataki several times. And, I, and it's a beautiful camp, as well ran as any camp. Um, just you guys do a great job down there. So we're excited to hear hear a little bit about what's going on at Camp Kataki here today. Yeah, thanks. Got a great team. So. Yeah, you do, Jason. I'm, I'm excited to hear about your team and, and what you guys are doing there. I'm going to throw you kind of a general question here. This podcast is all about leading through adversity and managing through those challenging times to get successful outcomes. Um, so how has adversity presented itself under your leadership and, and what have you done about it? Well, yeah, uh, thanks, Drew. And that was uh, when you reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing this podcast. It's about adversity. Um, we'd be interested in having you on. That, my first thought was, oh, boy, you know, what what stories could I tell about having adversity at camp? Because everybody's got some, you know, but I, being a camp director, you also hear ones from others' experience. And I, like I know, you know, I know some of Dave's uh, adverse moments in camping and um, and things like that. And I've heard 
several stories that I'm like, oh, I, I can't really match that. And I, I got to kind of thinking about what we have at, at Kataki, and I, I realized that one of the things that I wanted to talk to was was not necessarily the the big moment where um, you know the the windstorm comes and and 15 trees fall on cabins and stuff like that. Um, that I wanted to talk about some more um, everyday sort of moments and adversity. And then when we kind of hooked up to talk about this, I was like, I don't really know if he'd be interested in this story or not. And then you've kind of brought up some of the things that we do with culture. And that's kind of where I wanted to, to start the conversation because in my mind, adversity is, um, you know, it's, there's kind of difficulties and there's um, misfortune is kind of the concepts that are a part of that. And maybe not the misfortune side of things, but difficulties are a part of camp. You know, um, everyone that comes to camp is experiencing some level of difficulty. That's sort of inherent in the experience. We are taking them from some of the things that they know and the structures that they go to get help, um, the things that they're used to having, whether that might be their phone or the internet connection or what have you. It might be hot, you know, um, they might have conflict with people in a cabin. So there's some difficulty there. And uh, I was thinking about specifically working on our program at, at Kataki a couple of years ago, and we actually got around to talking about how do we intentionally add adversity to a group? Because there's adversity that kind of pulls people apart, and there's adversity that brings people together, that shared experience. Um, and that's one of the things that I remember from my own time at, at camp as a camper. Uh, there was a canoe trip I went on that we were supposed to stop at one sort of takeout point and we blew right past it. Um, and there was supposed to be a van meeting us there with like our food and our camping gear and stuff like that. And it was, we blew right past it, continued on the river. And I, you know, I don't know if I realized at the time how much the staff didn't know exactly where we were and where we were going, but we ended up at another takeout point in another uh, kind of state park area. But again, our, our food and our supplies weren't there. So we had, they had to call camp and everything. And it was like, I think we pulled off the river at like 5.30 and, and we didn't get any food until 9.30 at night. And like there's some nice couple at a trailer at another campsite who gave us Pop-Tarts because they felt so bad for us that we didn't have food. And, you know, and I remember this story to this day because, you know, there was adversity there and it kind of brought us together. So we talked about how do we, how do we bring that in? And so when we were doing that with a new program, we intentionally put a camp out experience in and instead of having like the really detailed, here's all the things you need to pack, here's the checklist that you need to have before you go, uh, we kind of said, okay, you need to take a, a radio for safety um, reasons and everything else. You as a cabin group have to figure out what you need and how you're going to take the food and how you're going to take the water and how you're going to meet all your needs there. And after the first year of doing that, I remember having a cabin group that... Um, they had thought, okay, we're going to check the weather. And they'd seen rain was potentially in the forecast. And we had checked it too, for safety reasons, obviously. Knew that it could rain, but it didn't look like it was going to be more severe than just rain. And they were like, we still want to go. And we were like, okay. And so they, you know, hiked out to the camp out spot knowing it could rain. And sure enough, the sky opened up, started downpouring. And I was trying to get a hold of them on the radio. And a little bit after that, they came like trotting into camp. They had burritoed all of their gear into this giant tarp and we're all on this giant tarp and we're holding it and like a big torpedo almost. And we're singing as they were trotting in into camp in the rain and just having the greatest time of their lives. And they'll always remember that. What a great story and a great example. I love the quote 
difficulties are part of camp. And the idea of creating adversity, opportunities for them to come together, that's fantastic. And I love that story. That's just a, what a great example of a shared experience for that group of kids. You know, I think about uh, like a low ropes challenge course, um, and that's not kind of the adversity that you're speaking about. That's, that's more of a manufactured adversity in my mind against, you know, a, a kind of a natural challenge or adversity or a difficulty here. Um, and those moments are everywhere around camp, aren't they? How did you begin to intentionally then um, set the framework for, for more moments like that? So, you know, it, it was beginning to start just accepting that adversity is everywhere. And so you're, all, you're automatically leading through it every day uh, with everyone that you run into. And so what we were starting to kind of focus on is within your camp culture, there's going to be adversity and how do you get through there every day? And then when the really bad stuff comes, you know, the windstorm does come and knocks down the trees or the, the floodwaters rise or whatever might happen. If you have that really solid culture as a starting point, are those moments easier? And I think the answer is, is obviously yes. And so we started trying to focus on kind of the interpersonal culture of camp. What can we do to make sure that every person that comes into camp feels respected? That is like the simple like <laughs> phrasing of it, I suppose. I think in camping, we're, we're so used to telling people, oh, we're against bullying. We don't need a lot of bullying in camp. You know, it's a common thing that you hear. But I know from my own history at, at the camp that I work at and, and from seeing a lot of other camps in, in action and stuff like that, we say that out loud. And then we do things like we go to a campfire area and there is a skit where people laugh at somebody being bullied. You know, there's a fortune teller skit where, you know, the fortune teller takes off the shoe and smells the shoe and says, you're going on a long journey and then throws the shoe. So the person has to walk without a shoe to find the shoe and everybody laughs. And it's like on, on one level, that's innocent, but also on another level, that's just showing people, you know, what bullying is and it's okay to laugh at it. And so if we are trying to create an environment that starts at respect, what are little moments like that, that are working against us, working against what we're saying and what we're doing showing kind of two different things. Intentionality comes to mind. Just being very intentional. It sounds like in everything you do and looking at your program to the, to every detail and being very intentional about how does this impact our culture? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what, what you don't put a stop to, you allow to continue is the way that we phrase it for counselors at, at, um, as we're doing training. And, and that at that time is, you know, supposed to give you the idea of like, oh, if somebody's kind of joking inappropriately on Monday and you don't immediately put a stop to it, it's going to keep, you know, snowballing by the end of the week. But, at, you know, at Kataki, I can't count the number of times that in a group situation, I have like stopped everything and said, oh, no, absolutely not. We do not boo here at Camp Kataki. And here's why. We don't boo here at camp because the only thing that that does is make people feel bad. You can signal that you disagree in other ways and you can have that discussion, but booing is just trying to attack somebody based on what they've just said. So we don't do that here. And I, you know, I think moments like that kind of, again, reinforce what you're trying to do when you're, you're, you're building a culture. Well, Jason, I, I want to hear more about building culture, but Drew, I believe we need to step away for one moment. Yep. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back to you. Contact the Sherry Group today. 
for all of your fundraising, development, and training needs. www.thesherrygroupllc.com. Thank you. Okay, we're jumping back in here with Jason Smith. Um, and he was just starting to talk about um, connecting the staff with some of these ideas that like his leadership team has developed. And I can tell you from personal experience that, you know, you develop a, a program and you get this mindset in yourself, you know, you got nine months to develop it and then you get staff there and you're instantly trying to get them in that mindset and give them that, that transference of that whole idea that you've built up. And that's a difficult thing. So Jason, how does your team prepare then your counselors to deliver that message of respect everybody? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, I, I think it's about agreeing what the goals and the limits are. And those are kind of uh, two things. And I think a lot of times we're better at talking about the goals um, with staff. And I'm going to talk a little bit later, I think, about the limits that we, we kind of outline and share with our, our staff. But, you know, as far as the goals are concerned, you want to be upfront from the interview on, um, here's who we are. This is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And again, trying to be intentional, kind of like what Dave was highlighting about how those things play out within the camp environment. You know, another thing that we identified over the years is the way in which we talk about kids. Cause you know, I mean, you both have worked with kids for a very long time and you probably have tons and tons of really ridiculous stories that kids have done or, or said, and things like that. And some of them are cute and, and some of them are frustrating. And so we realize that how we tell those stories has an impact on the way that our staff are, in, are interpreting respect towards kids. You know, we can tell a story about a kid's experience at camp or something that they did that was funny in a way that's respectful. Or we could tell a story that's basically saying that this is a bad kid, you know, like, oh, this kid was so difficult to work with. And so one of the language pieces that we put in place was about missing skills. You know, there's no bad kids. There's just kids that are missing skills. I think there's a you know great example that others have talked about. Like if somebody goes to kick a soccer ball and they don't uh, do very well at it, nobody gets mad at them. They just say, oh, you haven't learned how to kick a soccer ball. Let's learn how to kick a soccer ball. And our goal has been to try to get staff to look at everything, you know, whether a kid is not listening or says something disrespectful or gets really upset and has a hard time, like lowering the escalation curve for themselves and they can't process that, that those are not reasons to get mad at the kid. They're just like, the kid can't kick the soccer ball. Um, they're missing a skill. How can I help them learn how to do that in this moment? Yeah, I think you're speaking about compassion. You know, when we talk about empathy, we're talking about connecting and, and feeling how somebody feels. But when we talk about compassion, we talk about let's develop a plan to move beyond these feelings. Um, and so that really resonates with me, Jason. Dave, do you have anything you want to add to that? I was just going to ask, so how, how do you make that happen? Uh, you know, staff are our greatest asset. They're fantastic. And the energy and all that they do for the camping industry we could go, we could do several sessions just on that. Right. But, but they're also young adults and to get them to not only acknowledge, but accept and then operate with that mentality. Uh, how do you, how do you go about that? How do you instill that? Yeah. Uh, time and consistency, I think is, uh, the answer to that. Um, it wasn't something that happened, you know, one, one day at Kentucky. Um, but, Every time that, you know, kids are talked about at camp, we start with that level of respect. And, and every time we talk about how you work with kids, it comes from there. 
the first thing we teach our staff is what we call K-PALS, which is an abbreviation for, for how to work with kids. And the K is uh, kid level, um, is to get down on kid level, um, whether f physically, but also, you know, appropriateness wise, but get down on kid level because that communicates respect. So if you're gonna work with a kid, be on their level. Um, and that's the starting point that, you know, of everything that is kind of built off of. Jason, how did, how did you go about finding resources to build this camp culture amongst your staff and your kids? Um, you had to learn some of this stuff somewhere. Um, what are some good resources for other camp directors to kind of go down this path? Everywhere that you can think of. Um, we've begged, borrowed, and stealed from every single uh, camp we've ever had any connection with, and including the two of you. I'm, uh, I'm sure we've taken some things that you've developed at your camps and, and incorporated them in here. Some specific things uh, we do, there's a resource called Nonviolent Communication that we do training on for our summer staff and information about that can be found online. Um, we uh, are working to incorporate a lot of restorative justice ideas right now. Um, and again, information can be found online about restorative justice. And uh, I, I remember um, taking uh, some things from the Sherman Lake YMCA and how they talk to kids about honesty, caring, respect, and responsibility. They had this, um, this talk that involved a path and there's you know, safety on one side of the path and then the values of honesty, caring, respect, and responsibility on the other. And uh, how they talk to, you know, we can't, we can't go off the path over here into the unsafe land and everybody might stumble off the path over here in these values lands, but we want to get back onto the path and keep the path as wide as possible. We took a lot of that conversation um, and incorporated it in, into what we do so that every kid that comes to camp hears a spiel and a conversation on what we call the path so that I can actually literally ask a kid at Camp Kataki um, who just threw a rock uh, at a tree, oh, is that on the path? And they'll know what I mean and respond with their thoughts. And we can have a conversation about was that respecting nature? Was that respecting other cabin groups that might've been walking by at the moment? You know, that kind of gave us a, um, I guess a, a cohesive language that all of Camp Kataki could use, which was handy. Cause prior to that, we were, you know, it's a little bit more like, oh, my counselor told me my, their three big rules were, you know, respect, don't talk when I'm talking and walk in the pool or whatever their three big rules were. <laughs> and then their other counselor said, uh, here's my five things you need to know. And, and everybody had a little bit very different one. So we, we, we streamlined that and said, this is kind of what we're doing. Excellent. Dave, you got anything else you want to pitch over here to Jason? I love this whole path idea. A lot of things you've shared today, I really have enjoyed hearing. But when you're making a cultural change towards this, what were your expectations, I guess, as, as to how you had to have been patient, right? I mean, something like this takes time. What, uh, what kind of investment time-wise and, and how did it affect you as leadership? Because you know where you want to go, you know where you are, but you can't just flip a switch. Right. And it does take investment and time and patience. And some of the stuff that happens at Kotaki has been happening at Kotaki. Uh, we opened in 1953, you know, and it's been happening since then. And uh, some of the other things we've brought in over the last, you know, five or six or seven years. You know, I always lean on the kind of idea that uh, it kind of takes you three years to create tradition or really to create 
change, which is, you know, in the first year it's new and the second year it's like, oh yeah, we did that last year. In the third year, it's like, okay, this, we've always been doing this. It's because kids is, you know, historical lens is not as long as <laughs> ours are. So they, they really kind of, uh, they move on quicker and, and same things, you know, true with the staff. Um, and I think one of the things that also goes into that question, Dave, is um, talking about the limits of, uh, of camps. So we agreed on the goals and now we're also agreeing on the limits, which is another thing that um, I kind of thought I would talk about. And this is a structure that kind of existed before me and previous camp directors had, had put it into uh, place, but I, um, I came to recognize the value in camp staff knowing what the non-negotiables were, so to speak. Um, that this, the, these are like everything else, you know, is a conversation. And, you know, we always say, if you want to challenge us about and talk to us about why we don't allow our staff to carry their phones around camp, we want to have that conversation with you. That's a conversation we can have. And if, and if you convince us to make a change, maybe we will. Let's have that conversation. But these are the, the sort of non-negotiables. So Camp Kentucky actually has uh, what are what are known as cardinal sins, um, and they're the the five things that I lay out in in staff training and before during interview processes that are like no goes that that, that are kind of the end of of the line for us. And um, I could go into detail on all of them, but the they're, the five are basically drugs and alcohol, any form of abuse, uh, sexual activity, neglecting kids, or leaving camp without permission. During staff training, we we have a talk that I. I lay those out uh, and I'm very open about it. And I say, this is, you know, these are the non-negotiables. And if, if you come onto camp and bring alcohol and, and get drunk at night, that's you choosing not to be here anymore. And that's not a choice that I've made because I'm telling you right now, this is exactly what's going to happen. I'm laying it out for you. So, you know, that if you make this choice, this is the outcome. I, I don't have to make a decision. Then we're just, that's where we're at. And that's a line in the sand. And I'm going to put a big caveat, star, <laughs> exclamation point, whatever on that, where if you have those, you have to be ready to follow through with them. Um, if you say something like that, and then, you know, 10 of your staff get together and uh, smoke pot in the woods, you, you have backed yourself into those 10 people need to go. And there's not really a way around that. So that's a challenge. And it's not something I would say, you know, on day one, if you're struggling with that, that's not maybe what you need to outline because <laughs> it might back you into a corner you don't want to be in. And you also have to enforce it with, uh, you should only have a line in the sand if you're willing to enforce it with the best staff member you've ever had. Have you had to enforce it with the best staff member you've ever had? Uh, I've had to enforce it. Um, I don't know what the best staff member I've ever had. <laughs> But I, I'm not a sports guy, but, you know, you hear sports metaphors of like, don't, you know, don't have a team rule that like, you know, Michael Jordan violated it and you would kick Michael Jordan off your team. You need to be okay with kicking Michael Jordan off your team or whatever. But that openness at the beginning of staff training and that conversation um, has resulted in people knowing where they're at. And part of that conversation also involves like if you're struggling in other ways, let's talk about it. You know, let, I, I want to help you in every way because we know we're not at these, you know, end of the road limits, then seek help. We can help you in other ways. And that has resulted in, you know, in, let's see, summer 2019, I think now, 
yes, summer 2019. Time is weird at this point in, time <laughs> in our lives. It's we crazy. Track. <laughs> <laughs> we had a staff member who was on a trip with, uh, there was four staff and, and uh, 18 kids on a, on a trip. I mean, a staff member who did something, then realized that what the choice that, that they had made was a wrong one. Or, or one that violated, you know, the cardinal sins that we just talked about. And he actually woke up the trip leader staff member and said, I, I made a mistake. I did, did some things. It means I can't be here. I'm leaving. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't need to wait around for, for me to come talk to him about it. Um, and he made that choice on his own. Now, I wish <laughs> that the whole structure had prevented him from making that choice in the first place. And that is uh, certainly the goal and the hope it's amazing what your staff can take on if they believe in it and if they know the why behind it. And so when I'm explaining that in staff training, I'm very clear about, and here's why, you know, your safety of the kids is paramount to anything. We can't have you, um, you know, in a compromised mental state when kids are under your care. That just, it can't happen those layers of, of building in the respect and then also showing the limits. Um, so, someone once told me that all kids behavior can be understood as them trying to figure out what the boundaries are. And I think that's true for, you know, our staff are kind of in that transition from kid to adult. And we ask them like specifically to, to wander back and forth across that line as they uh, do this job of being, you know, be a kid and be ha have fun with kids but also do all the safety stuff that's important. So I think that our staff can be understood in that way too. They have, have the goals and the limits and they can navigate those situations. Um, and when the true adversity comes, hopefully they can navigate those situations a lot smoother. Yeah, that journey for camp staff is, uh, is just an amazing one. You know, camp isn't just for kids. It's, it's absolutely for staff as well. They go on a really meaningful journey in there. And I, I'm glad to hear that uh, you know, you're guiding them and you're, you're giving them a great framework to, uh, to work within, Jason. Hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here sometime for another discussion. I, just, I love hearing you present. I remember uh, being out in Colorado a few years ago, watching you do a presentation on Camp Kataki and filled several pages worth of notes. Learning from each other has been uh, something that I think has been a, a very important part of my career and my development, and I think it probably is for most of us in camping. I just appreciate you being on here and being willing to share and let us know a little bit about yourself and Kataki, but also talking about difficulties are part of camp and how do you build that into your program. I think I'm going to have that note uh, sitting here by my desk for quite a while. That's a great quote. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I mean, I also find that talking about what what we have done at camp helps me reevaluate, you know, is, is, are we going the right way? Is, do I still believe this, you know, three or four years on um, when I'm talking about it with other people that I know, like, you know, you two are, are great individuals in this movement and this field. So do I still believe in, in what I'm saying? Well, it helps to talk it out loud to, to other people and see, do I still feel good about saying this? <laughs> and uh, the, the evolution of our program, right? We're always growing and changing. And as we're learning more, we need to evolve our program to, to match that. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Jason. You're so insightful and so caring. Uh, this has really been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening, listeners. This has been the Share Group Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening.